Hi, and welcome to episode 69 of No Crying in Baseball, the Fancy Run Differential episode. My name is Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. That run differential was all that great math that you were doing while we were watching lots of baseball this week. Yes, there was lots of baseball this week, and we'll be talking a teeny bit about it, but more on that later. Yeah, first we have to talk about a major, major loss in the whole world of baseball. We lost superstar and all-around good guy Frank Robinson this week. Let me tell you briefly why Frank Robinson was special to me personally. He debuted as the first African-American manager in my hometown of Cleveland in 1975 and then went on to hit a home run because he was a player manager. So that was pretty cool. He was 39 years old on that, you know, at, when that all happened. He also played for the Baltimore Orioles, near and dear to my heart, when the term the Oriole way was invented because he was a big part of that. And then he went on to manage the Orioles for a while. And our hometown team here and now, the Washington Nationals, were honored to have Frank Robinson be their very first manager. What I didn't know about him that I found out while watching the Serie de Caribe this, this week, they had a, a moment of silence for him. And I was thinking, yeah, he, he was a Hall of Famer and that's an international thing. But it turns out that he actually coached in Puerto Rico for the Cangrejeros de Santurce. And he played for them, too, wow. back in like 68 and then coached for him for them for eight years over a period of like 12 years in the 70s and early 80s. So renowned, not just here, but all over. And well-loved, and we'll miss you, Frank. Thank you for all you've done for baseball. Today on No Crying in Baseball, we're going to tell you about some changes in the way we talk about the disabled list. And I really want to pick a fight about the designated hitter, but Potty Mouth won't let me. More about that in a few minutes. We're going to tell you about our boyfriends with the Oakland A's and the Dodgers. Potty Mouth is going to catch you up on the Caribbean series and phrases like fancy run differential and TQB, I think is what it is tiebreakers to end all tiebreakers. And we're very excited to close with an interview with some very special guests from the Belize Visionary Foundation of Baseball and Softball. They're doing really cool things in the country of Belize, and we'd like to be invited there for a field trip. Before we get to that, Patty Mouth has a boyfriend conundrum. I am really sad. My Phillies boyfriend is no more a Philly. He's now a Marlin, which means I lose him because I already have a Marlins boyfriend. That would be catcher Jorge Alfaro. I was very excited, and I, I think on this podcast I said that I was really secure that he was going to be longtime Phillies. Not so much when you trade for JT Real Muto. So, oh, curse you, Phillies, Jorge! I am very sad, but I, I appreciate your um, your dedication to doing things the right way and not just holding on to a boyfriend till a better boyfriend comes along. I was really looking for a loophole there. Yeah, I wasn't going to let you get away yeah. with that. Mm -mm. Okay, so in the world of finally getting it right. Major League Baseball has decided to implement a change, what we've been calling the DL, the disabled list, since I think it's 1887, it's been a long darn time, is now going to become the injured list. One, because it's more descriptive, it's more accurate to what happens. You sprain your ankle, you break your arm, you get hit by a pitch, you're on the injured list. This doesn't make you disabled. And disability activists have been promoting this for a long time. It's like, this is the wrong use of this term. Please get it right. Major League Baseball has gotten it right. We're going to link to a couple articles about it because it's causing a little more brouhaha than we think it should. 
So uh, more on that. Check our social media for that. But I think um, yay for you, Major League Baseball, for getting the terminology right. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the issue is that people don't understand why. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that makes no sense. But it's always been the DL. Why right. can't we just keep things the way they are? Because baseball and we often do. But re- folks, read. Patty will put it there. Read. Read, please. Um Very briefly, there are a lot of new proposals out that Major League Baseball and the Players Association, the Players Union, are going to be discussing in coming weeks. And one of them is making the the designated hitter a universal thing, which means it would come to the National League. And you heard by that woo that Patty and the Potty Mouth are kind of itching to argue about this in front of all of you listeners to the show. We don't have time today, so put a pin in that. We're going to argue later. But in the meantime, you should do some reading up and see where you come down on having a universal DH, which sounds a little bit like a superhero name. So it's not real, Potty Mouth. I, I don't know about that. We'll, we'll get later. There. We'll get there. <laughs> Let's but go to boyfriends. Right now, I want to just start dreaming about tropical destinations. That's my gig yes, for please. today, right? We're going to sure. get to Belize later, but I am so just fascinated with Curacao at this point. And I have a couple of Curacaoan boyfriends. And I figured, why not keep a good thing going? I'm really angling (laughs) for this trip to Curacao in my future. I was sad when we did the Rangers, or the week after we did the Rangers, when I realized that I missed Jerickson Profar. But hey, he got traded at the end of December to the A's, so now I get to pick him. He's a shortstop. He got there on a three-team trade to the A's that involved the Rays. I hope I said those words right this time. He actually pitched when he was a little leaguer. And he pitched for Curacao in the Little League World Series, and they won. The tiny island of 161,000 people won the Little League World Series in 2004 and went back in 2005, where they made it to the finals again, but lost. So the first time they won was against California, and when they lost, it was against Oahu. But Profar did really well in both games, notably in 2005 he was pitching. He had a one eight five ERA over thirteen innings. And hey, wait, he, wait, he pitched thirteen innings. Yeah, well, Holy of crap. of the yeah of within the series. Oh, yeah, phew. yeah. Okay, I don't Man. know. I don't know how the Little League Finals. I don't know if that's just the finals, but go go figure. Within that the the some part of the Little League World Series that year, he was pitching a bunch and hitting and hitting three eighty nine. So not bad as a kid. He was a non-drafted free agent by the Rangers in 2009, so still pretty young, just four years later as a shortstop. He had offers as a pitcher from other teams, but he wanted to play more. When you're a shortstop, you get more action. And he's a switch hitter, so I think he wanted to show that off as well in case he was not in one of those NL leagues, league (laughs) teams aforementioned. Um, And we love guys that play the Futures games because we had so much fun there in 2011 and 2012. So he debuted in September of that year in your your beloved Cleveland, subbing for my former boyfriend, Ian Kinsler, who was my boyfriend when he was on the Angels, but still a notable guy here because it ends up that he played a big role in Profar's career at the Rangers. So Kinsler was having some health issues then. Profar comes in and he went two for four with a home run in his first at bat in his debut. He was the third teenager, the second youngest one, and the first Ranger to homer in his first at-bat in his debut game. He was the, also the youngest to double and home room, home, homer and hit a home run. Yeah. In it. a de- debut Any game. Any combination of those words is perfectly accurate. Two really good things. He did two really cool <laughs> things in his debut game. And he was the first one since another Curacao. And I just have this like Curacao thread here. Andrew Jones in uh, 1996. 
He was also in the AL wildcard game that year as a teenager. Again, the first teenager in a postseason game since Andrew Jones in, in 1996. In 2013, as the number one prospect, he did come back up again when Kinsler went on the DL. And then when Kinsler came back, he was sort of utility. So then they traded Kinsler the next year to the Angels, I believe, what this trade was, basically to make room for Profar, but then his shoulder got totally fucked up. He missed all of 2014 and 2015 between the injury and the surgery. God. Yeah, and what kind of sucks is coming back. So they're like planning around this guy. He's injured for two years, and then he had kind of a crappy 16 and 17. His his bat was just not making it. His batting averages were pretty low. He went up and down to the minors, mostly in AAA, but he did play utility. He played all of the infield, Plus left field. So Super valuable five, these days. Yeah, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So go back to that. He was frustrated, though. And I don't think he liked so much being sent down into the minors so much in that time. Because when he wasn't traded before the non-waiver deadline, he was actually benched for a statement. I'm not quite sure what he said, but it wasn't appropriate. And that's really not boyfriend material. I'm going to say that he's come a long way since then in a lot of ways to make it up to the boyfriend. He uh, Back in, in 2018, last year, he started all right and then got a concussion in April. I have this weird injury thread. You really do on. have an injury thread. Yeah. But he did make it back up. He hit 254, which not stellar, but respectable. Totally respectable. And he was, being, and he was known for working it, for drawing the walks, for working the counts, for getting the ball in play even though it was a lot of getting hit by a pitch, which he was sixth in the American League. But for all that effort, he got a really cute sounding, maybe that's not the right word, (laughs) adorable, awesome. Oh, cheers. Wait, pause pause for, if you're new to the show, there is a drinking game. Whenever one of us uses the word adorable, which I still hold to is not a sports word, you have to drink. So cheers. So that would be me being the one using the word adorable. Yeah, I slip once in a while, but yeah. I don't mean to. But at least I feel bad about it. But but I, I'll just be happily <laughs> you, you drink. Just embrace it. He got this adorable award. It's mm. the 2018 Richard Durrett Hardest Working Man Award. I love that title. Hardest That's a Working James Man. Brown Award is what it is. <laughs> Such a cool award. By the Dallas-Fort Worth chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America. And he ended up, 2018, getting his own career highs in every offensive category. He did so well that he became a member of a very exclusive club. The other four members are our beloved uh, Alex Bregman, Lindor, your former boyfriend from Cleveland, Mookie Betts, my Red Sox boyfriend, and Ramirez, your new Cleveland boyfriend. These really hot guys, them plus Profar, were the only five players last year to get over 25 doubles, over yeah, 35, 35, 35 doubles. Oh, man. Your it's a lot of doubles. so better than mine. I'm, I'm using the right but, tool for the job. <laughs> 35 or more doubles, 20 or more home runs, 75 or more RBIs, and 10 or more sexy stolen bases. Nice. Not bad. He played for the World Baseball Classic in 2017 with that hot Netherlands team that had like Xander Bogarts and Jonathan Scope, all these great Caribbean guys. And... The giving back part, these Curacao players, I didn't know this when I talked about the other two before, but it turns out there's this Curacao baseball week at the end of November. I'm going to angle for a trip for us for next year where they do kids clinics and these players go back and work with the kids. It's going to be really stressful. I would imagine going to Curacao 
in the end of November. You know, they really sacrifice for the good of their country, and yes. I appreciate that about them. Yeah. And again, this is a tiny country, 161,500. Just to put that in perspective, Washington, D.C. here has almost 700,000 people, and little Alexandria, Virginia has 160,000. So that's about the size of Curacao. Um, he's going to be a free agent in 2020. I'm going to have to forgive him with, for working with Boris. All I could tell about his um, personal stuff, his family stuff, is he has a daughter, apparently, who was born in August of 2017, and a brother, Jeremy, I think, is that? I my pronunciation I sucks. He's in the, the Rangers farm system. My Dutch is bad. Yeah, my, I do not do Dutch well. Or Papa, I can't even remember the name of the Creole. It's like a Dutch Creole. Papa Mento. I think that's it. Something like you that. You are our Curacaoan expert, I'm so I'm going to defer to you on that. I, I, re- I guess I have, to I have no Curacaoan boyfriends. I cannot help you here. I have to get my Papa Mento dictionary. <laughs> I'm going to forget my last <laughs> thing like on Profar. Sounds like a pizza place. Papa Mento. <laughs> Papa okay, never, sorry. Yeah. Uh, my last statement on Profar, I'm going to forgive him for growing up as a Yankees fan. Do you want to explain why you would want to do that? Because you're not usually so forgiving. Well, I think that when you're abroad, that the Yankees, they're just so loud. I think that's what's most broadcast. And I think you just can't help. They're the but, shiny yeah, thing that you get. It. Okay. I All think right. that that's it. And he was, it was the Jeter era and he's, he's a shortstop. Yeah. So okay. I think that had something to do with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. My Oakland A's boyfriend is first baseman Matt Olson. Matt Olson had a great honor that he was so excited about just this past week. He grew up in Georgia and his high school there where he played, Parkview High School, retired his jersey number last week and he went to the ceremony and it looks really cool. Um, He took as a pitcher and a first baseman for Parkview High School, he took them to the state championships twice. So he's kind of a big deal in Parkview. He's also kind of a big deal in Oakland these days. So he was drafted by the A's in the first round in 2012 out of high school, right? And he was planning to go to Vanderbilt to play ball. And he said, nope, I'm a first-round draft choice. I'm going to go to play baseball. Usually when we talk about our boyfriends, we save the the giving part, the extra thing for the end. But I'm going to talk about Matt Olson's giving side right now because it happened. It began when he was in high school. You may see, look, when you see him on TV or see a photograph, look for his wrist because he wears a blue Autism Speaks wristband. And that's because when he was in high school, possibly middle school, he befriended this girl whose brother, whose name is Reese Blankenship, is a non, non-verbal autistic. Matt and his brother became good friends with Reese and his sister, and they hung out all the time. They went to sporting events together. They became very close friends. Reese had a breakthrough when he went to a conference about autism, and there was a demonstration about how to use letterboards to communicate. And all of a sudden, it was like his world broke open. He had been sort of trapped inside his brain. He was super smart. He could take everything in, but he couldn't communicate. And then with this letterboard, he could become communi- communicative in an outgoing way. And he was so excited about this that he started this community center called the Recliff Academy in Georgia, which would be a community center where other autistics could gather. There would be physical therapies, um, all sorts of therapy work, gym for physical um, activity work, social activities. So it was a kind of a community center where you can find people that you got along with who were in similar situations, similar sort of worldviews as you and to hang out together. So Matt was an early donor to this center. 
and he continues to really support it and um, and help with fundraising for it. And I went to their Indiegogo page, and there were people who were donating money for home runs that Matt Olson would hit. So it's kind of an ongoing thing. It's like using your powers for good and helping in his hometown, which I think is enormously cool. Matt's debut was in 2016, and he was the first A's player who was drafted out of high school to become a major league player with the A's, stayed with the organization. You know, when you're a prospect, you might get moved around a lot. He didn't. They stuck with him. He stuck with them. And he was able to debut in 2016 with the Oakland A's. He was the first guy to to um, be drafted out of high school since 20, 2006. I'm sorry, I left that part out, 2006, to make it to the major leagues with Oakland. In 2017, he was up and down to the minor leagues a lot. He really alternated back and forth and back and forth. So that came up with this statistic, because there is one for everything. He was the first player to hit 20 home runs in both the major league and the minors in the same season since Giancarlo Stanton did it in 2010. He set a boatload of records, tied records, or showed up pretty high in that year. So I'm only going to give you a few highlights. In September of 2017, he hit 13 home runs in one month for the Oakland A's, which set a rookie record. He hit more home runs than singles. 49% of his hits were home runs. That's the second highest percentage for people with 200 or more plate appearances in a season to Mark McGuire in 2001. That's a lot, people. That's a lot. 2018 was his first season playing the whole season in the majors with the A's, and he got the 2018 Golden Glove, and he got another award that I think we mentioned last year but didn't talk about it much called the Fielding Bible Award. It's not named for a Bible. It's about fielding. It keeps all the stats for fielders. So he got the Fielding Bible Award for first base in all major leagues. It's different from Gold Glove because they don't separate it between American League and National League. He had 14 defensive runs saved, which was most for a first baseman. He played 160 ga- 162 games, which was the first in the American League. And his average home run distance is 398 feet. His longest was 475 feet. That's a lot. That is super impressive. He has got a bat. I am not going to do justice to Justin Turner, third base person for the Dodgers. Justin Turner, I think we all know, is an amazing player. But I'm going to focus, sort of like you did in the beginning, on how he gives back. Because I was really bowled over way more by what he does off the field than by what he does on the field. The first thing I I saw was his involvement in a baseball pro camp in August in California, teaching baseball to kids grades 1 through 8. And I thought, great, I've got a guy who's active there. But that was just the tip of the iceberg. Also playing in a YMCA celebrity softball game for California Strong, dealing with all the devastation that they've had in California with the fires, was raising money for that, including a lot of other players. Your uh, your Browns guy, Baker Mayfield. I love you, Baker. So, hey, extra boyfriend points for somebody out of baseball. And Moose, Moose Moustakis. He has a foundation, the Justin Turner Foundation, that he founded in 2016 with his wife, Courtney. And it supports a variety of things that I apparently are near and dear to his heart, and I'm not exactly sure what the direct connection is. But this foundation supports homeless vets, kids and their families who are bat- battling life-altering illnesses, and local youth baseball organizations. Every year they have a big fundraiser, a golf classic, where they have dinners and celebrity golf and things like that, raise a boatload of money. 
And with that money, they they run a something called the Dream Center. I think it's in LA, and it houses twenty six vets. And they're oh, wow. yeah, they're so th- this is direct action in the community, and they're working on opening a, a home for women, female vets. They also get toys for kids at Christmas, ten thousand toys and two thousand bikes last year. He has started a little league team on the Yokoto Air Base in Japan for the kids of soldiers over there to learn baseball while their parents are deployed. Um, And so he does stuff directly. So any time the the Dodgers go out as an organization, he's probably one of the guys representing. But he also does it on his own. I thought it was super interesting that his current Twitter picture is him and this high school kid cancer survivor who he developed a relationship with. I think he met him on one of his hospital visits and continued hanging out with him. And he's his Twitter pick. Another kid that he hung out with was Luke Lang when he was on the Mets. When Turner was on the Mets, Luke had uh, leukemia and went to a game when he first started treatment. And it was something the, the Mets knew about it. They all met him. He gave them bracelets, which actually Turner still wears. And he kept his relationship with Luke Lang and flew him out to L.A. to throw a first pitch at a Dodgers game. It's fantastic. So talk about some dedication. These are a lot of points. These are major, major boyfriend major points. points. And then we always see when we go to the Nats game, there's this time in between. I don't remember what inning, but you salute the troops. Oh, it's the fourth inning. There we go. Thank you. You're, <laughs> you're good with the, with the specifics there. But they have current military people come to the game and everybody turns to them. And I guess something similar happens. And I think it's the second in the Dodgers. But between innings, when the cameras aren't on, he goes over and shakes hands of the vets who are there. Just because he's a good guy, not because he's getting notoriety for it. He's a good guy. Yeah. And he gets extra points. He went to Cal State Fullerton. While he was at Cal State, he played in the 2004 College World Series and they were the champions. So he was actually drafted by the Yankees while he was still in college, and he turned them down to finish his senior year. So double points, staying in college, turning down the Yankees. That that brings like balance to the Yankee fandom universe because we know we you, you gave Profar a pass, and so I think this kind of evens it out. So I All feel right. good about that. So I, overall, if you're looking at today holistically, that's where I'm at. Okay. He was drafted <laughs> in 2006 by the Reds. He didn't actually make it onto their majors. He was in the minors there and then went from there to the Orioles, up and down between majors and minors. Same thing with the Mets. And became a free agent in 2014, and the Dodgers got him. And it's his hometown team. So he's – I think he's staying there. I think this is pretty solid. He is 34, so I don't know how much longer, but he's doing really well. His first season with the Do- with the Dodgers, he led the team batting 340, and he became the starting third baseman in 2015 and an all-star in 17. Um, and CLS MVP in 17, and we love the Heart and Hustle Award for 2017, 292 career, and I gotta say that Ginger Hair and Ginger Beard gets him huge points because we can have him on a future grooming segment. Oh, we sure can, and we've had him there in the past. We do love the Ginger Beard. I'm going to stick with the veterans on the Dodgers theme. We spent a lot of time Last season, talking about the BMX Boys Club, all the young guys on the Dodgers. But Potty Mouth and I today are sticking with the older guys, the veterans, who are going to try to keep these young young bucks in line, right? I'm going with Russell Martin, catcher. You might think, hey, wait, isn't Russell Martin a star catcher for the, for the Toronto Blue Jays? Well, he sure was for four years. But in January, he was traded to the Dodgers, which is actually where he got his start. So he's kind of going 
home, even though home is Canada. Never mind. We're not going to follow that thread. It gets confusing. But what he, what they brought him on for was to bring leadership to a young team. He adds another veteran along with Justin Turner, who's been around for a while and knows how things work. He's kind of a one-year rental, right? He's going to uh, – it's, it's a bridge to free agency. And this is while they're bringing up their young prospects. They've got a couple of young guys who will be their catchers in the majors, but right now they're not ready. And the guy they have now who they were hoping would be their starting catcher, Austin Barnes, is not quite living up to the hype. He's not quite where they want him to be. So Russell Martin will probably be platooning with him as a catcher. Let me give you some background on Russell Martin's life. He did. He is a Canadian. He, he was born in Ontario. His parents divorced when he was two, and his mother remarried and moved to Paris. His dad moved to Montreal. He sort of split time between those two places growing up. When he was 12, his mom said, you can decide now where you want to be. And he picked Montreal with his dad because he wanted the sports. And the sports he wanted were baseball and hockey. And that's not what he was getting in Paris. Although the Canadians sure do like the fact that he's bilingual. And his his goodbye uh, statements to the Toronto fans were in both English and in French. Very nice Which touch. was pretty cool. His dad is a jazz saxophonist. And he made his – he I don't think he still does, but he made his living as a busker in the Metro. He supported himself and his child playing the saxophone at a Metro stop. When he wasn't playing the saxophone, he was training Russell Martin how to be a ball player. They would get on their bikes. Apparently, his dad biked everywhere and was in better shape than Russell Martin was for most of their <laughs> growing, most of his growing up years. They created a drill they called the Murder, She Wrote drill, where they would bike from ballpark to ballpark, and they would find a chain link fence. And Russell Martin would be in front of it with a glove, and his dad would try to throw balls by him. So he became super good at picking balls, diving for balls, reaching for balls, stopping them before they hit the chain link fence, which is why he's still really good at the picks. His dad got the honor of playing O Canada at Rogers Center on his saxophone, which apparently sent a lot of people pretty close to tears, including his son, Russell Martin. He Russell was drafted in super low rounds out of high school, and he said, nope, this is too low. I'm better than this. I'm going to go to college. He went all the way to Florida for junior college at Chippewa Junior College. One of his teammates while he was down there, Joey Batts, Jose Batista, who he was going to be teammates with on the Toronto Blue Jays later on. The next time he was in the draft, it was 17th round by the Dodgers in 2002. Yep, remember, he's an older guy, right? 2002 was his draft. He debuted with the Dodgers in 2006 as a third baseman. And he was a pretty good third baseman. Remember, all these drills with his dad made him a super flexible, good-at-defense infielder. But his build was much more like that of a catcher, and he was super smart. And the Dodgers organization saw that and said, you know what, you should be a catcher. They converted him to catcher, to which he replied, this is freaking hard. But he got good at it, got good at it fast, so fast that he became an all-star in 2007 and 2008 for the Dodgers, 2011 for the Yankees, and 2015 for the Blue Jays. His 2007 year also got him a silver slugger, a gold glove, and the Heart and Hustle Award, which he repeated in 2008 and 2009. Boyfriend points right there. He made the postseason nine of his 13 
seasons so far. He's hoping to make that 10 out of 14 this year. He has played more than 1,500 games behind the plate, which has him third only to um, Yadier Molina and Brian McCann. And his his uh, catching style is modeled after Molina and Pudge Rodriguez. It's called the Puerto Rican style. If you look at him, he kind of sets up at an angle. And when there's no one on base, he has one knee actually down. That gets him pointed the right direction to throw the runner out at first. He's super famous for his pitch framing and having really subtle movements. So he he can kind of fool the umpire a little bit um, by not being like dramatic in his movements, but kind of framing pitches so he gets the outs that he wants. On the charity side, this past summer, he chaired the Jays Cares Foundation. That's Blue Jays, the Jays Cares Foundation Charity Poker Classic, which raised $170,000. This is similar to what Potty Mouth was talking about with um, Justin Turner. These are sort of high-stakes fundraisers where you pay a boatload to get in. This one was $1,500 tickets, which sold out in five hours. Whoa. Yeah. But for that, you get dinner. You get to ha- you get to have dinner and play poker with famous ball players right? It's for charity. You get behind the scenes tours. You get a lot of cool stuff around the fact that you're playing poker. Oh my God, with Russell Martin, which is very, very cool. I have a feeling he's going to transfer these um, these charity inclinations to Los Angeles now that he's going back there, but that's just what he did last year. Quickest ever Winter Leagues update. What I'm going to say is go to our Facebook page, go to our Instagram, and go to our Twitter where you'll find so much more. Facebook and Instagram, we're at No Crying in B-Ball. And on Twitter, we're NCIB Podcast. Because right after the show, we're going to watch the final game, Cuba versus Panama. Oh, we didn't see that coming. Yeah, we totally didn't see that coming. Those weren't our picks, but don't come on down on us too hard. Check our pages for details because there were crazy ties. Cuba got in by TQB. <laughs> Again, it's, 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 it's fucked up math. Patty did it and it worked. And and somehow it has to do with runs and stuff. I don't know. Look it up. We'll put it. We'll put a link or something. Fancy run differential because, gosh darn it, we love the baseball math. There you go. Sort of. Yeah. She says it so much better. <laughs> and, and Panama got in. Their TQB was even tied, and the TQB two, whatever the fuck that is, was also tied. They got in by batting average over Dominican Republic. That's the third level tiebreaker, folks. These teams were so evenly matched. They were some pretty exciting games. Which means our predictions weren't too crazy, but. I'm going to say Panama now because home field advantage. And they were really fun to watch. They were super sharp players. So I was excited about watching them. I think it's going to be fun. But now. But now we are so excited to welcome our special guests. We have with us Tony Smith, who is the vice president of the Belize Visionary Foundation of Baseball and Softball. And not only is he part of the foundation, he also pitches for the baseball team. We're going to check in with him about what's up with baseball in Belize. All right. Welcome, our friends. We've got Tony Smith with us, and he brought an extra guest. Can you guys introduce yourselves to our listeners, please? Yeah, I'm I'm Anthony. I'm Tony Smith, and I'm the vice president of Belize Vision Foundation Baseball and Softball. Yeah, my name's uh, Andrew Trammell. I'm actually uh, an American, but living in Belize by way of Chicago. And I'm here actually just the main coach as far as skill development and working the practices, getting the kids involved in recruiting and everything that's involved with baseball. So fantastic. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Thank you guys for giving us some time. We are super curious to know about baseball in Belize. Could you just sort of describe what's going on right now in Belize with baseball in general? 
Well, yeah, uh, Belize baseball has been on a little bit of a, a hiatus for about 26 years. So since 1993, the, the sport was in exile. Something happened bureaucratically within the organizations and the sports federations themselves. Um, I wasn't here at the time, but I heard about it. And they kind of they, they shifted their way over to softball. And ever since uh, ever since I came to the country for the first time in 2016, I've kind of seen the boys playing softball. And I it, it, it hurt my heart. <laughs> I know you guys can probably understand that seeing boys playing softball. I'd only play it for fun. You know, you get a couple beers in you, you go to the park, right. you all have a nice little beer league in Wisconsin or Chicago, something like that. But when I was seeing young boys trying to actually develop softball skills, it was really odd to me. Um, so I came and that was 2016. Coincidentally, a year later, the Belize Visionary Foundation for Baseball and Softball was founded. And so I came back in 2018 and they had already been a year under their way. And I joined them as soon as I got here. I met these guys and it was really great. So as far as uh, answering your question, baseball in Belize is on the up and up. Right now, we're working really hard just getting the uh, the capital and the main city, which is Belize City, developing, having practices as often as we can, recruiting kids, um, making sure that no one's no one's left out. So if it doesn't matter how well your skill level is or if you played softball in the past. We just want to get as many kids off the streets, onto the diamond, trying to build diamonds themselves as far as getting uh, – stadiums and even fields established um so i don't know i don't know if you want to hear any more that's yeah. basically where we're at right now so to be clear there was like just no baseball anywhere it wasn't that it was only in like neighborhood fields or a school there was just nothing happening they yeah. don't touch it they don't touch it they 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 strictly played softball um wow there's a couple guys there's a couple guys that are here in the country who um Supposedly, I mean, I don't have any uh, backup on this, but supposedly they had been in single A organizations through the Baltimore Orioles, which is uh, coincidentally where one of our only, well, our only Belizean native to play in the major leagues was uh, Chito Martinez. And he played that same year. It's a, it's a weird thing how coincidences are, because in 1993 was Chito Martinez's last year, the Belizean native, to play for the Orioles. And in that same year, the, the league, uh, the whole sport got exiled. So that um, is fascinating. Some, some guys with baseball experience and background, it's just they're not they're not pushing it. So that's why we're here. So could I, could I just ask you to clarify? Are you, you're talking about all levels now. So you have kids in Little League. But what about adults in competition? What's going on on that level? Well, me and Coach Drew, we're actually in the adults league. We actually play. I'm a pitcher and he's a catcher. At, well, we play any position, but um, we're affirming that right now. We actually have a team for the first time in history, Belize, the baseball team. And because you guys in, have in the nineties, it was it was strictly little league. They never really had any national team or any pony even or, yeah. yeah even pony or any Cold type thing. of uh, liaison with the MLB to try and bring scouts over here or anything like that. And I'm gonna tell you right now. Ever since I've been working with these kids, I've seen more raw talent. Then when I was a kid, seeing a lot of good kids that I knew that even played double-A uh, ball from, from my area in Chicago, I mean, a lot of good players, these kids outweigh them in skill level and just raw talent. So it's kind of crazy. Um, our adult league is it's not really developed right now, but we are, we are going to start playing games this year. So we're just trying to bring on as many people as we can that have a softball background and just show them the ways of baseball. Well, you guys have a game coming up soon, right? Do you want to tell us about that? Oh, it's about about six days six days the 16 opening day yeah, for belize you know <laughs> <laughs> all right and and where's it gonna be it's gonna be in belize city at Regis stadium at 2 p.m it's gonna be a double header against guatemala the quetzals of guatemala 
double header. Oh man, I want to be at yeah. that game. Can, can we get ESPN yeah. to carry this so we can see it too? Oh yeah, well you got to send ESPN down then. Yeah, That'd be nice. we'll do our best. <laughs> are, are you guys gonna stream it or Facebook Live it or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to have a recording um, television show come out there and see so we can get it on video. Even my friends will be videoing it. And you'll hear, hear about it. We'll make sure you guys be first to get it, a hold of it, okay? The, the Facebook Live thing is actually a really good idea. We have a news station that's local that doesn't really stream outside of uh, Belize. But I, I do like the Facebook Live idea. I might have to lend out an iPad or something that can sit right behind whole plate. Yeah, the more the better, right? But getting some quality video from your local station sounds like a good idea. So yeah, it's enough. So then they can right away put it on YouTube and everyone can watch it. So that'd be great. Oh, yeah. So tell us we, where, where the foundation came from. Like, how, how did this come about? And yeah, how'd you get started? Well, I, I can't speak on behalf of the president because, like I said, I came here in 2016 and I saw what was happening. And in my own heart of hearts, I was kind of by myself thinking, what could I possibly do? Like, how the hell can I, myself, an American with Belizean roots, be able to shift the whole mindset and try and get kids to play? And so I was gone. I was... I was coming back. I was going to inevitably make my way back, which was two years later as of last year. And uh, it was one of my friends who's a woman and she plays in the softball leagues. I said, I'm going to come and just help them because their their uh, level of play wasn't that great either. So um, I just go to their practices and I met some of the guys who I mentioned earlier who had some baseball background. And I was just like, this this can't go on. Like if the boys are playing baseball, we might as well make softball. Uh, a better product on the field because they're not playing well in my eyes. And uh, sure enough, I met these guys who had been around since 2017, January. We're working on our second year as of last month. They basically had the same sentiments as I did. The president ended up being in uh, that little league I mentioned with a lot of his friends. Unfortunately, a lot of his friends aren't here with us because to, to, to his, uh, to his own accord, the, you know, the fact that the baseball was exiled, lay, it, it, it left a gap in what their day-to-day was going to be like. A lot of them hit the streets, and a lot of them didn't survive. So, yeah. you know, sure enough, we, we figured this generation needs to be able to focus themselves more on doing something athletically, which will obviously help your body, help your mind. And it's just all really the foundation built on bringing the kids a higher level of competition, a higher level of respect, um, less violence towards each other, and then just being able to give that back, have a never ending cycle of bringing real, real, real nice, cool way of, of, of giving back. So that's amazing. Yeah, um, so it's not just approving a, a or keeping baseball as, as a sport, as something going on, but something to give the kids an alternative for not getting in trouble or not getting sucked up by the gangs. Exactly. Exactly. We're doing it for the passion and for love and for the kids. We're trying to take them off the street so they can do some positive instead of being out there idling there. So, and making them into men and teaching them about respecting the fundamentals of the game, you know, and it's going good so far, you know, and there's a lot of talent in this country. And me, I got involved in it, too, because I've been here about eight years, too. I'm actually from Chicago, too. And um, I thought I, I love baseball and I thought I couldn't play with nobody because mostly they play softball here. And I can't throw baseball with somebody who plays softball because I might kill them, you know, a ball <laughs> yeah. reaching 90 miles an hour or something like I that, you know. I can't handle it. You know, and so... One day I was at work. I work in the medical field and I was watching on the news and I saw this guy talking about baseball, which is the president, Mr. Carlin Flores. And I said, hey, let me get in touch with him. So what I did, like what most of us do, I went on Facebook, typed in his name, <laughs> a lot of people with his name, and I found him and I called him that same exact moment. And I said, hey, man, 
let's work together. Let's do this as a team. With my experience and your experience, we can do damage because sometimes we tend to not work together. But it's great to work together because you can publish this way more, right? I got to say, as a Red Sox and fan, I really like that phrase, do damage. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that that's, that's not so much me. Totally works. So does the foundation have funding? Is this like a, like a full-time gig for you guys? You were saying medical field. I mean, do you, do you have like day jobs and this is what you do for, you know, because you just believe in it? Or is is this a, like a funded job thing? Well, we don't have funds right now. You know what I'm saying? What we use is we're our own resources, but we need help with that. We need help with funds and stuff like that. And we need help to get fields done, you know, and believe so the kids can have that feeling. So everything that we've been doing is been on our own. Sometimes I invest my own money or coach drew in gas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We need help with the funds. That's the hardest part right now. And equipment. The we There's have this game coming stuff. up and we're trying to ask businesses to help us out, but it's really hard. You know, if, the, if the, you the crazy have... thing about uh, the funding in this country involving sports is when I hear my cousin's um, husband, who's part of the football team for the national team. And I'm talking about maybe going to a practice because I played football. I played every sport, but uh, he's telling me like, oh, no, bro, we all have day jobs. Mm-hmm. Every single person that are professional football players, they still have day jobs. Um, there's there's not a lot of uh, investment with the sports in this country. So we set up our um, our organization pretty, pretty strictly as a non-governmental. So we're an NGO. Non-profit. We're nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, everything comes in through charitable donations. Everything comes in through heart of hearts. People actually wanting to do something positive with their money. Um, and then like I, like he, like Tony said, you know, it comes from our pockets as well. We're really all just trying to do everything we can. Grassroots contribute. Um, hopefully that don't, that won't be that way in a couple of years, but as it is right now, we're really just kind of looking for any dime we can get. So if, if we can help with that, if you guys have like funding links you can send us that we can help distribute, we would be happy to do that to kind of spread the word about what you got to do because it's super important. That yeah, would we, really be amazing. That would be very amazing. We actually have a GoFundMe page too, you know, and you can find us on Facebook at Belize Vision Foundation based on softball. Everyone's got a I'll GoFundMe. send you the link. Yeah, I'll send you the link for that right there. Excellent. Even... Even if it's a dollar, you know, it matters, you know, anything counts, you know, because we're trying to get this up and going. Like, look at the Dominican Republic. America invests 127 million every year in them. Wow. That's crazy. And they have 30, 30 baseball academies right there. Yeah, if you, it's kind of weird. That's what I'm saying. It's very, it's very odd, the fact that there's so much talent down here, but the MLB doesn't really have any uh, liaison with it. And it's not to their own fault. Like, it's not the MLB's fault. It's no one else. It's, this country doesn't seem to want to be able to do something positive with these kids mm-hmm. in, the, in the sport. Um, I, I think I think really down five years down the road or hopefully even sooner, there will be a much greater, you know, interest in the country. So that that's where this, this whole thing starts with anyone and everyone trying to give like a little penny they can and just seeing how we can grow together. Because remember, remember, our money, your money here doubles over here, right? You give uh, $10 US is $20 US. That's a really important point. I mean, twenty dollars Belize, twenty dollars Belize. You get yeah. you get ten dollars US is twenty dollars Belize, and and more encouragement for us to go to go travel there and hang out because it sounds like it would oh, be an have, affordable thing of, to do. We have plenty of space for you too. Don't worry. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Well, thank you guys for for your time. We're gonna have to wrap it up a little bit. We definitely want to promote whatever kind of links you have, so pass those along for sure. And I'd love to check in with you guys after the game next week and see what happens when you guys play Guatemala. Any predictions? Yeah, we love that. You know what we'll do? I mean, we'll definitely keep in touch. And we're going to be doing a lot of uh, busy work throughout the week preparing because, like I said, it's basically us right now. 
So um, within the next couple of days, we'll keep in contact with you, making sure we'll bounce off your ideas, getting people who will be able to stream at Facebook Live and be able to get you in touch with those. You guys can give it to your fans and everything like that. Um, I just want to say right now, I just remember 2005, we uh, we took you, this uh, El Duque Hernandez, I remember, uh, <laughs> against the Boston Red Sox, the yeah. 2005 White Sox. I don't know if you remember that World <laughs> yeah, Series. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily we had one under our belt by then, but... <laughs> Yeah, you had the one. One. You had the one about a, It's getting better. A it's getting better. Before that. No, yeah, much old, respect old to you. And then you guys took the whole decade. I'm, yeah. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> yeah, well, so, you know, I'm a Cleveland girl, so I'm still the, we'll get him next year or or next year or next year. Uh, okay. Well, that's, see, that's fine because my mom's actually a Cubs fan. Everyone everyone in my family is a White Sox fan. My dad, my brother, and then my mom's a Cubs fan. So it's, it's we, we understand. We understand these things. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much. We will talk to you soon, and I'm glad you're going to stay in touch with us. We're really excited about what you're up to. Thank, thank you. you so much. So, Coach, you will be catching. I'll be pitching, okay? Yes, look out for us. Excellent. Sure. We sure will. Bye-bye. Good luck. All right. All right. Thank All you right. very much. Have a great evening. You do. So thanks to Tony and Coach Drew about filling us in about what's happening in Belize. We will share those links with you, our listeners, so you can help if you can with what's happening with baseball in Belize. This coming week for us, aside from trying to figure out how to watch this Belizean game against – it's a Belizean, is that right? I uh, believe a game against Guatemala. Yeah. Um, we're going to be researching some Yankees boyfriends, and we made a mistake. And I'm so sorry about it. We skipped right over the Pittsburgh Pirates as we were moving up from the basement up to the to the the top teams. And we apologize. So we need to kind of go back in time a little bit and identify some Pittsburgh boyfriends. So next week, Yankees and Pittsburgh. And spring training tomorrow. Oh, Catholic my God. Pitchers and catchers. There's a day, a day left. This is my countdown report. One day, seven hours. They're there. Oh, my God. So we're going to actually watch the finals for the Caribbean series and then pretty much go to sleep and wake up and it'll be spring training. Yay. This is a perfect, perfect world that we live in for just a shining moment. So you guys out there, please tell your friends if you like what you hear. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. <laughs>